Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, and I'm now living in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Bebe. Yes. Hi. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Have you been yelling outside your window? Oh, yeah. I did that this morning. <laughs> yeah? So what exactly do you say? I say, Beijing, Walaila! Oh, in Chinese? Yeah, in Chinese. <laughs> because I'm just copying a line from a Zhou Dongyu movie oh. where her and another young lady come to Beijing and start out their new lives and they're full of optimism <laughs> and hope. Why do I feel like I might just, you know, get a view of a video on TikTok? Like, <laughs> this, this guy, <laughs> this guy from America. America well, yelling out of, out of his window. Well, can I tell you an idea that my wife and I, she's really good at editing. Sure. I really like uh, this idea of making, copying Joe Dongyu movies because I watch huh. a lot of them. Oh. Now, we were thinking about actually taking one of the scenes from a Joe Dongyu movie mm-hmm. and putting me as the other actor. Oh. So it would be Joe Dongyu saying her regular lines and then me, <laughs> to me. And then I would say maybe the same line or a different line. And we were thinking we could fly on TikTok with That's this. Cool. You know, we're so busy with the actual work. We never get to do all of the ideas that we have. But someday, but it put idea. it up like on the fridge or something and someday you'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. You know, one of the things, yeah. Bebe, I like to do is I like to go on social media and brag about how great China is at green energy technology. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, oh, but oh. if you find mm-hmm. Sheng Guanjiao and myself on Twitter, you're going to find a thousands of posts about how amazing mm-hmm. green energy technology is in China. It's kind of my thing. And so I wanted to talk mm, about, nice. actually, the U.S is now has passed a bill where they're going to spend $375 billion in climate incentives to in something they call the Inflation Reduction Act, strange, where they're going to try to invest in green energy technology. And it might close the gap a little bit and let the U.S. catch up with China some. So I thought we'd talk about that. Wow. Why all the action like now, you know, with uh, the infrastructure Mm. bill and also new energy? Mm. Wow, this is very refreshing. Yeah, I so know. So they're actually really going to do something about it. I certainly hope Tell so. Tell us about well, it. You know, uh, well, yeah, let's talk about what they intend to do. Sure. So they want to spend, sorry, the United States Congress wants to spend $375 billion in climate incentives to refit and add more technology. And they want to chop emissions from electricity by 80% by 2030 for the carbon emissions. So this is a a big change for the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if if you look at a lot of statistics, which we will later, the United States has actually contributed a lot to global emissions. Yeah, There are so many different statistics, and actually most of them are true out there about Mm -hmm. the United States, about Europe, about China. A lot of them are actually true because if you squish the statistics and and look at it from one very specific angle, you're going to find data that supports your political uh, ambitions, mm. so so to say. So if you look at the t- 
total amount of carbon, CO2, that has gone into the atmosphere from 1750 to now, Europe and the United States are actually the biggest polluters. Mm. But China does actually contribute to quite a bit right. to the to CO2 now. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that China is diversifying away from carbon sources of fuel, of energy, mm-hmm. faster than any other nation in the world. Mm-hmm. And China has more offshore wind than any country in the world. China has more solar than any country in the world. Mm-hmm. China has more hydroelectric than any country in the world. So I was really optimistic and happy about this bill because $375 billion in climate incentives in the United States could really help the United States close the gap with China and actually invest more in these kinds of energies and and actually reduce a lot of their carbon footprint. If you look at one statistic, Mm -hmm. the United States and Canada, strangely, I think Canada is actually number one, the United States is number two, Mm. contribute the most amount of carbon to the atmosphere per capita. Mm -hmm. That means each individual American or Canadian Mm -hmm. emits in terms of their lifestyle, going on airplanes, car, trains, the food that they eat, Mm -hmm. more carbon into the atmosphere than any other individual people in the world. The reason that China sometimes gets called up is because they have four and a half times the population of the United States. Right. In aggregate. Yes, exactly. exactly. But not as much uh, per capita. So what prompted? I mean, the talk about climate change global warming has been around for decades mm. um what what hap- why now you know that's not it. that i'm not that i'm complaining but like what happened <laughs> the united states is kind of they call it a winner take all system that means when you vote you generally are putting in a block and what happened is the united states is controlled to uh, so they call it separation of powers there are three powers the supreme court mm. the houses of power, congress and the presidency the executive and right now the people who approve the money that's Congress. And the people who have to sign off on that, the veto, mm. or or actually you can submit bills from the executive branch, have both agreed. So largely the Supreme Court is off to the right right now. Mm. But the left, which likes to spend more money generally, it's what better known, on infrastructure, is in charge of both of those two branches of the United States government. They control Congress barely, mm. just by like a hair. And they control the executive branch. So the president and Congress are able to get together and say, oh, Okay, we want to spend more money. And while there are a ton of Republicans in Congress, they are not enough of them to stop all of the things that uh, the Democrats want to do. So the Democrats have spent the one trillion dollars on infrastructure. And now mm-hmm. the three hundred and seventy five billion dollar uh, clean energy bill has passed. So when we're thinking about, you know, temperature and natural disasters, it's actually all about politics. <laughs> yes, it's all about. Yeah. Red state, blue state stuff. And I, I guess also the. The number of disasters we see, we have been seeing in recent years, it's undeniable now, right? If in the past, before Mm -hmm. uh, we can see all these on the internet, and also we can see the frequency going up, and also things getting more severe, um, probably it was easier to deny Mm -hmm. the fact, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But now it's, how can you watch this um, and say that nothing is happening? spent a lot of time in the United States, right. baby, right? right. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I obviously I grew up in the United States. I spent 30 mm. odd years in the United States. My entire life was listening to the media and listening to a debate. 
<laughs> between the people who said, yes, there's global warming and those people who said, no, there's not oh, global dear. warming. I wish the word undeniable was true. Yeah, I would say what it is, is there a much smaller portion of the population in the United States is denying. Mm. So it, it is like most people admit that climate change is real and that it is caused by humans, which, you you know, around the rest of the world, everyone's like, no brainer. Right. In the United Seriously? States, <laughs> not so much. But now, I mean, you're right. Almost undeniable. Mm -hmm. You have a very small segment of the population who will continue to deny you know, some people say the world is flat, so mm. you're never going to get all of them. But the vast, vast, vast majority of the population are like, yes, this is a problem. We should do something. About I mean, it. my thinking is even if you don't call these events with like a general name, such as global warming mm. or climate change, mm. you can still see the individual events. Right. Mm. You can see that, mm. you know, these things like floods or um, wildfires, mm. uh, especially Right. They're happening much oh, yeah. more frequently oh, yeah. and ice melting. So even if you don't give it a name, you can see that these things are happening mm. and you got to do something. about Absolutely. It. So but anyhow, we, we are getting a start right in the uh, in the U.S. And China, of course, has been on this path mm. for a while now from the top to the bottom, from the government to the people. We've realized how big an impact environmental issues can have on our daily lives. Mm. I mean, I don't want to complain, but I will. It's fall season again. And in the past, um, I, I sound okay now, but I've been actually hit with uh, fall allergy again. Do you call this like mm. hay fever or something? I don't know. It's Yeah, absolutely. My brother gets it. His eyes turn oh, red. Gosh. His nose runs. He, he, sometimes he gets it so bad that he cries. Oh. Not because of like, not because of tears, because of the allergy itself, it's so uncomfortable. but because of tears, because yeah, he's in so much pain. And yeah. itch, right? Yeah, I want to like just carve out my eyeballs and scrub it. Wow. Uh, but you know, the, I did not don't have do this. Don't <laughs> Not yet. But I, I this started about... I think three years ago or four years ago. Mm. And it is at the time when we discarded the mask. We forgot about the mask because mm. the weather, I mean, the air in Beijing was so much better. Mm. We forgot all about the smoggy days. Yeah. And I was okay when the air was smoggy. I did not get this allergy. Mm. You know, allergy was one of the reasons why I, uh, I left the States. I was, I was miserable and I got it in the springtime when I was in the States. For every year, it's like three miserable months. It's like you have a cold and that lasts for three months. Wow. Um, so I came back and I was okay. The air was smoggy sometimes, but eh, you know, I didn't suffer uh, as obviously. But in the past few years, the air has, it's so much clearer, blue sky almost every day. Mm. But then and because probably because of the plants and grass, mm. um, there's so many more that's been planted. Mm. It, it just, it's hitting us and not just me. So, I mean, I, I know it sounds like a complaint, but it's because of a, a good no, reason. No, no, I mean, I can yeah. understand. What is it? January, is it April when the um, the tree white foams pours in? Is that Does that affect you? No. Well, I mean. Because it looks like, oh my gosh, that must be like a nightmare for people with your, you know, you and my brother's kind of condition. It's an inconvenience, but this is actual oh. suffering, you know, the, the allergy you get. Um, but it's, I'm not really complaining. I'm just saying that, um, you know, same as damage done to the environment. If you mm. do the right thing, you will see yeah. good results too. And it didn't take as long as, um, you know, people thought. Um, they closed up some factories and limited like how many, like the odd number, whatever 
plate number yeah, 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 of like yeah. which cars can get on the, the road. You're talking about back in the day in 2015, 16, when there was still air pollution. Yeah, when it was really so bad. So the things you do will have, you know, you'll see results. Um, so mm-hmm. as as pessimistic as we feel sometimes, um, I think if we just do the right thing, things will improve. But I think we're also at a point where it's undeniable that we really, really got to do something. Mm-hmm. And people keep talking about saving the planet. But now I think what we really have to realize that, you know, the planet will will stay. The planet will be here. <laughs> it's been through stuff, right? It's been here yeah. forever. But yeah. humans might not. You know, we will not be able to survive if, let's say, the temperature goes over to, oh, gosh, 45, 50 degrees. Mm. Will we be able to survive that? Um, or in the yeah. melting sea levels, right? A lot of coastal areas will be flooded. Absolutely. Where will people go? People will be fighting for land again. It's going to get crazy. Well, I, hopefully not. But I mean, I think that is the realistic outcome. I actually have this. Uh, I sent you a lot of statistics that I was going to use for the show. Right. But there was one I just got in the last couple of days. It was I was sharing with sure. my brother, actually, the one same brother we were just talking about. He lives in California, in Northern <laughs> California, in the central San Joaquin Valley. So it's the mm. big valley in California. Mm-hmm. And according to this GFS two meter air temperature report at the end of next week. So we're talking about a week from now, uh, temperatures in the area where he's living are going to be. And I know this is going to be confusing. 118 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. Now, that might sound confusing to you, but that's very high. Yeah, that is the 45 to 50 degrees Celsius kind of range. Yeah, like it's going to be so bad that, you know, really there might there might be like power outs from air. 47.8. Is that what it is? Wow. You said 118, right? 118 Fahrenheit. Yeah. Wow. That is 48. That's like beyond human tolerance. Well, yeah, that that is like Death Valley levels, which which is another place in California. Did he go outside to feel it? (laughs) Well, it hasn't started yet. Apparently it's going to start in the next few days and it's going to be one of the biggest heat waves at this time of the year ever. Yeah, we are or maybe maybe record breaking. Yeah, we've been hearing the word heat waves in China too. Mm. And I think this year, especially in Sichuan province, mm. friends in WeChat groups complaining about how hot it gets. And so in the future, maybe this will be a common scene if we don't do something about it. I mean, think about all the air conditioning, you know, that's running and all mm. the heat. I just came from Wuhan. And I mm-hmm. have this big umbrella. It's like I ordered it for ridiculousness. It's like a two meter wide <laughs> umbrella. Oh, my God. Well, I saw one of my I used to be a kindergarten teacher and I saw one of my dads. I say dads. One of my kids dads, dads. had this mm-hmm. like massive umbrella one day in the rain. I was like, oh, I've got to have that. <laughs> so I went on like a JD and I found the biggest, strongest, coolest umbrella on JD and I got it. And it's it's like a. It's like a camping tent with a pole uh-huh. that you could carry around. It's huge. But I mean, I used it once or twice in the winter because you can't even get around trees on the sidewalk with this thing. It's so big. Mm. But when the when this heat hit mm. and I, we were walking around outside, I carried that thing around with me to keep the sun off of us. Wow. Because it was so hot. You've even adopted the method of shielding yourself from the sun now that you're in China. <laughs> that's like that's like a critical threshold. <laughs> yeah, so well, I have the Shuebei was the first. Oh, that was now uh, I carry the umbrella in the oh sun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you, you're near. You're near the final ones, I think. Yeah, it's it's actually a good idea. I mean, too much sun exposure is not really yeah, good for I you anyway. I don't want skin cancer. That doesn't sound fun at all. We mentioned that there's a two-party system in the U.S. And uh, right. there is a GOP member. 
named Steve Scalise. Mm. I want to say Scalise? Scalise? He's the GOP whip. Mm. He, so GOP means Republicans. That means right wing. That means not wanting to spend money on infrastructure and stuff like that. Okay. And he said, this is from the same article, quote, it wastes a billion dollars in green energy New Deal slush funds, end quote. Oh. So um, one of the retorts to that in the article is that it's going to save American energy consumers, that means Americans, $112 and average mm-hmm. per capita. So we're talking about 340 million people spending 112 US dollars less per year on energy bills because energy will theoretically, mm-hmm. hypothetically become less expensive, more affordable and greener. Hmm. So there are, again, like in, in the United States, everything is argued right. and argued and argued, but there are definitely very good reasons in addition to helping the environment that help individual Americans. Well, there certainly will be people who are not happy about this change, right? People in the traditional um, energy industries. Hopefully they, you know, yeah. hopefully they can just diversify their own understand own like investments <laughs> away from oil and invest those into green energy. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason that, mm-hmm. you know, Shell oil company can't maintain profitability by just doing more solar. No. Can you go to their her- headquarters and tell them that? <laughs> but, you know, I do want to talk about um some bits and pieces of information that mm, um, mm. I saw like in videos about climate change. And I think sometimes maybe the way it's presented uh, would be a little misleading for people mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. you know, what you hear that the temperature on Earth has gone up by one degree Celsius yeah. in the past 100 years. Yeah. And you go like, oh, that's no big deal. Yeah. Right? It's only one mm, degree mm. Celsius in 100 years. We can take a couple more. It, do- it does sound, right. you know, innocuous. And also, you know, like uh, rising sea level, maybe 20 centimeters in 100 years. And you're like, okay, you know, uh, the water will be a little bit closer to yeah, us. I'm on the sixth floor. No big yeah. deal. <laughs> a lot of people, they, they haven't felt the impact, right? But it doesn't mean uh, that's it's it's not how these number presented Break it to down you. for us, baby. Um, the remif- <laughs> the, well, I, I don't know all the details, but um, the ramification from this one degree increase Right. It, it's way beyond that. A lot of um, species might not survive that. Mm. The ocean will get hotter and the heat mm. will accumulate. I mean, I guess uh, scientists can explain this a lot better. And what I want to mm-hmm. say is don't be misled by seemingly yeah. small numbers, because if you look at the number of disasters uh, that has happened. Right. And also the number of um, like the temperature rise in general and the trend that is going. And I I there's this really. Um, I think there's this, uh, was it documentary about the environment? In Chinese, it's called which is the truth behind mm. climate change. I'm not too sure if that's the English title, but, you know, that's mm-hmm. the theme of it. And it says that 20 of the warmest years on record, which is 100 years, um, occurred in the past 22 years. So what does that mean? It's, it's hot. Right? We have, <laughs> it, it's getting hotter and hotter yeah, and it's yeah. not stopping. So we have temperature records for 100 years. Should go way beyond that, right? It'll tell us more, but that's all we have. Mm. In the past 20 years, it's been getting hotter and hotter in the past 22. Um, And a lot of that warming is caused by human activities. Mm -hmm. It's not just like natural cycles. Because we use so much energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about it, right? Each one of us, how much energy we consume. And how will the ecosystem, the entire system, be able to take that? And also, I want to just like squeeze in 
something I read um, from a finance book the other day, finance slash psychological, because I I want to um, share with people how sometimes a slight change can lead to huge um, consequences. Mm. Um, so we can't base, we can't just understand the issue based on that seemingly small change. And I was reading the psychology of money mm. the other day. <laughs> Not that I'm really interested Maybe it's in, be in this kind of stuff so. because I just love to read. <laughs> Depends on the currency we're talking about. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> not in U.S. dollars. But there is one part of it when the author was trying to show readers the effect of um, exponential growth, um, the impact from compounds. Mm. He cited one example that's related to um, the environment and climate in general. And this is, uh, so as I said, Psychology of Money, page 48. Um, it cited that in early 1900s, a Serbian scientist named Milutin Malakovic, he was studying the Earth's position relative to other planets. And then he came up with the theory of ice ages, mm. um, which we now know is correct. And that the gravitational pull of the sun and moon gently affects the Earth's motion and tilt toward the sun. So doing parts of this cycle, which can last tens of thousands of years, each of the Earth's hemispheres get a little more or a little less solar radiation than they're used to. No, a little bit less or more sun exposure. Mm -hmm. And then um, the his theory initially assumed that a tilt of the Earth's hemispheres caused ravenous winters cold enough to turn the planet into ice. That's just to say one winter that freezed up everything. Mm -hmm. But later on, a Russian meteor, I can't say this one. People who, yeah, somehow the twist of tongue, I can't manage it. <laughs> uh, named Vladimir Kopin, he ducked deeper into Milan, Milan Kovic's work and discovered a, a fascinating, fascinating nuance. And that is moderately cool summers not cold winters were the icy culprit. And it begins when the summer never gets warm enough to melt the previous winter's mm. snow. So you would have this leftover ice base, which makes it easier for snow to accumulate the following mm. winter, which increases the odds of snow sticking around in the following summer, which attracts even more accumulation the following winter. Now we have to think about like back, 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 right? Things like this take a long time. Yeah. So this accumulation, this little bit of snow sticking on the ground, it attracts even more accumulation the following winter. So basically for the whole year and the years after, the snow never melted and a little bit is added every year. So perpetual snow reflects more of the sun's rays, which exasperates cooling, which brings more snowfall and on and on. So it gets colder it's and a colder. multiplier. Yeah, effect. within a few hundred years, a seasonal snowpack grows into a continental ice sheet, and you're off to the races. It writes in the book, and so, wow. but more to that, uh, the same thing happens in reverse. So an orbital tilt, letting more sunlight in, melts more of the winter's snowpack, which reflects less light the following year, which increases temperatures, which prevents more snow the next year, and so on. And that's the cycle. So um, the the thing we get from this is how big something can grow from a relatively small change in conditions. So if you think that, you know, one degrees eh, in 100 years, uh, and it's not one degrees every 100 years, things might move faster, right? 
Yeah. It's me talking now, not the book. But now let's come back to the book. <laughs> so you start in the book, this is page 49. You start with a thin layer of snow left over from a cool summer that no one would think anything of. And then in a geological blink of an eye, the entire earth is covered in miles thick ice. And as a G glaciologist, Gwyn Schwartz put it, it is not necessarily the amount of snow that causes ice sheets, but the fact that snow, however little, lasts. Hmm. And the big takeaway from ice ages is that you don't need tremendous force to create tremendous results. And if something compounds, if a little growth serves as the fuel for future growth, a small starting base can lead to results so extraordinary they seem to defy logic. End of quoting. Well, and he he was making a point about you know you should say you start saving money <laughs> because <laughs> things compound. <laughs> but I, I thought of this when nice analogy. Uh, yeah, I was uh, watching this video about these seemingly small changes in in climate right conditions. If it's one degree for this hundred years, maybe. It, you know, if we don't do anything about it, it's going to get faster and faster. Like yeah. the speed of change. Well, once the speed of change increases, it's hard to uh, predict how bad things will be. Well, it's kind of like what you said in our uh, episode on infra infrastructure, that we need to deal with these issues like before infrastructure crumbles, mm. address address it while the infrastructure is still capable of being mended. Right. In the same way, we should be dealing with the amount of uh, CO2 that we humans everywhere, all of us are putting into the atmosphere. Right. Can I go over some statistics? Sure, Because please. I feel like my fellow Americans uh, don't really understand the, the volume mm. uh, of work that China has done. Mm -hmm. So I have some data here to share with my friends so that they better understand the amount of work that China has done to reduce its carbon footprint on the world. Mm. So this one is uh, from visualcapitalist.com. Mm. It is a, uh, it's called Solar Power by Country in 2021. And it shows the amount of solar power, the total amount that each country has produced. This is just solar. So I have a bunch mm. of different statistics. Mm -hmm. Germans apparently have the most amount of solar per capita, but that's only about one quarter of the amount that China has. China has actually the most amount of solar in the world. As of this chart being made, China produced 254,355 megawatts of electricity mm. from solar energy. So that is in 2021, okay. which is more than any other country. And the reason that China still does use quite a bit of uh, produce a lot of CO2 total is because the population is just mm. much, much greater than most other countries. Mm -hmm. So another one, EV sales. Oh, yeah. China, they're everywhere yeah, now. EV sale. Yeah, they're everywhere. Uh, but China has 3.5 million units that it's sold in a single year versus most of the other countries less than I want to say less than about 20 percent mm -hmm. so China is leading by like leaps and bounds in that I I can totally see that I mean my cousin just got just bought a car mm. and I think he um like you have to have this uh lottery for car plates oh yeah yeah I've heard right? about in this. Beijing you can't just go and buy a car <laughs> Uh, that's because we want to limit the the number of cars on the road. Mm. So there is a lottery system to get plates. And she finally get, got one. 
And I think she got one because she's been waiting for years, actually. And she got one for an electrical uh, vehicle. Oh, yeah. And she bought it. And it's it's nice and very, very quiet. They're all so quiet. You know what's really cool? <laughs> sure. Can, can I mention, I want to, because this is very interesting mm-hmm. from a foreigner's perspective, the Jing A license plate oh, moniker. Okay. So a lot of people who uh, look at cars and appreciate cars and know about cars, the license plates in Beijing have certain they tell you how powerful a person is because very wealthy people Mm. will buy a jing a license plate what that means is at the beginning Mm. exactly at the beginning of each license plate is jing which means beijing it's a license plate from beijing Uh and if you have a that means you're one of the first people to get a car in china so people who are rich they will buy the Jing A license plates from other people. Recycled. So yeah, yeah. They will say, I want your Jing A, you know, 32874 license plate. And they will actually buy it from that person legally. To show status? Yeah, to show status. So people driving around in their BMWs and their Mercedes and whatnot, they all have Jing A license plates. Huh. Yeah. I never knew that. What's really cool and interesting is if you get an electric car, hmm. they started Jing A over in a different color so you can now get a jing a license plate because you're buying an electric car so there's a sudden rush in beijing actually to get as many electric cars as you buy an electric car because Uh then you can be part of the jing a community i see the ev jing a community wait let me see yes my cousins her starts with oh yeah her starts with Jing A, and then she's she's part of the Jing, and then followed by letter D. (laughs) I don't know what that what that says, but cool. I never knew that. (laughs) Yeah, she. I mean, um, I don't think she hesitated. She just got um the uh electrical one, and also the other day, an uncle, like my dad's friend, came to to visit, and last time I saw him, he was you know driving a regular sedan car, and this time when his car approached. Um, it was really, it didn't make a sound. Mm. He just glided over. Ninja car. <laughs> it was so quiet. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, you got a new car? He's like, yeah, it's a hybrid. So I guess, uh, you know, um, it could use both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm seeing them everywhere. Like a couple of my neighbors have switched um, to these eerily quite uh, quiet vehicles. So it's definitely a trend, which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a great thing. It's fantastic. You know, China has a, Mm. a, we keep mentioning, has a very large population. So the fact that it is buying more than five times the next country down of EVs is is showing that it's Mm -hmm. also contributing to the transition from fossil fuel emitting cars to electric cars, which Mm. may have their own issues, batteries and stuff. Mm -hmm. But we are, I think, making progress. Exactly. I do want to say this for um, certain. So I, I provided some statistics because people oftentimes are confused about this. Sure. So this mm-hmm. is from our world in data. It shows the total amount of CO2's emission, CO2 emissions uh, over the last couple of hundred years. And it does show that uh, Europe and the United States have contributed more CO2 to the atmosphere. And a lot of the reason for that is simply because Europe and the United States industrialized first. Mm-hmm. And when during right. the period of their the height of their industrialization, their factories were just Mm. pouring black smoke into the sky. So it makes a lot of sense. I have another piece of data that mimics that. It's from Mm india.in.pixels. And it shows that Europe has contributed 531 billion tons of CO2 to the atmosphere total. Okay. I guess for the last, since 1750. Whereas the United States is 416 billion mm. tons and China is 235. So that puts 
Europe at more than twice as much as China, even though China has uh, a considerably larger population than all of Europe. Hmm. And you know, what's interesting to me is most of Europe's contribution to CO2 comes from the UK. So it's not because they're just really bad or something. It's because they were, yeah, they were burning coal before everyone else. They Hmm. were, they had factories before everyone else. So they, they weren't thinking back in 1760. Oh, oh, look at that black smoke. That might not be good for us. (laughs) Well, not yet, I guess. Not yet. But now, I mean, talks of uh, weaning off coal is you hear this all the time, especially Mm -hmm, in China. It's mm -hmm. like one of the main goals. And um, I read somewhere, maybe it's in one of the articles or that someone suggested that maybe we shouldn't measure our productivity by GDP anymore. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. because if you take that as your goal, you keep thinking of uh, you will generate more waste. If you incorporate the damage you're doing to the environment as part of that measurement, it will help people to, I guess, every mm. step of the way will help them mm. um, to do less damage to the environment. I want to come back around to where we began. Mm-hmm. So the United States is inv- investing $375 billion for their green initiative. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I really wanted to talk about this is because of the next piece of data that I have. This comes from, because again, I love this kind of data. Mm. This is from visualcapitalist.com. And it says just in the year 2021. So this is for one year. This is a energy transition investment top. 10 countries in 2021, China invested 266 billion US dollars Mm. into green renewable energy technology for that one year. So I'm not, so this $375 billion that the United States is investing Mm. is more than China invested in 2021, but I think it's going Mm. to be spread out over like 10 years or something. So it does sound like a lot of money and it is, but it's also uh, the United States in the same energy transition investment chart had invested $114 billion, which is less than half of Mm -hmm. what China has invested. So U.S. does have a smaller population, but I think that this initial push that they're they're using this $375 billion for should at least close the gap a little bit and help the United States begin to catch up. You know, uh, can I ask you a question? I I can definitely hear uh, passion in your voice, right? And you telling us all about this, how much you care Mm -hmm. about this. But what about like um, the general populace, say in in the States? Um, Does your mom or like your brother, do they talk about the environment? Or climate change or what we're doing about it? I'm from California, so it is like a cliche that Californians do talk about this and care about it a lot. Mm. I can't give you an adequate response for, you know, Americans because I don't know what families in Kentucky or like Wisconsin or Texas are talking about. Mm. But it feels like from, you know, the movies and TV and and media in the news that I read that most people do, in fact, care about it and that there is a renewed energy mm-hmm. on the last five years or so in trying mm-hmm. to move away from fossil fuels and move towards more renewable energy. So I feel like there is hope mm-hmm. that this this initial investment right now is just mm-hmm. just the first move in a series of moves to help the United States go green over the next couple of decades. Um, I, I found this... Uh... The quote I was uh, trying to share, Mm -mm -mm -mm. it's from resilience.org. 
and in a story about how are the U.S. and other countries doing on fighting climate change. Mm, mm. And I, I uh, highlighted this one part. It says another helpful link, uh, another helpful line of attack would be to replace GDP in government operations and planning with quality of life and health mm. of environment measures. And the demand for GDP growth locks us all into the requirement for ever more energy and materials、mm. use because you're shooting for, you know, economic growth and a higher number, and a lot of things are sacrificed、uh, on the way. So, and and it says continue to say that that path leads straight to a cliff, which we are fast approaching. And I, you know, I first heard of this idea, but of course in different words.、Mm. Um, actually, in in China and in one of those government reports,、uh, saying how we can't measure. Um, how we're doing just by GDP,、uh, like a percentage in GDP growth anymore, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because to achieve a higher one,、um, there about there's bound to be sacrifices in other areas, and we can't take more sacrifices when it comes to the environment. You know, I think that's a really great idea. I think the problem is that I mean, not a, not the problem. One of the、mm-hmm. things that needs to be managed is an international agreement about. How we measure quality of life accurately,、mm. because I think things like because I've seen a lot of reports that say which ha- country is the happiest, and I look at it and it doesn't make any sense to me. Like Bhutan, how they arrived, how they arrived <laughs>、yeah. at that. I was like, that doesn't seem right at all. <laughs> Why is that there? And this is there? No,、mm-hmm. doesn't make any. I think things like happiness and are really, really, really almost impossible to qualitatively measure. It's very subjective.、Mm. So I think if we're gonna measure, I think you're right. Firstly, I don't want to complain. I I think you are right,、mm. baby. I think the quote that you're reading is right, and I think you, what you said makes total sense. I think we need to measure it in terms of physical,、mm-hmm. material conditions. Like, do you have access to clean water?、Mm. Do you have access to medical care when you need it of various kinds? Do you have access、mm-hmm. to education? So,、right. those things need to be very verifiable in the same way, so that we could ha- see. The thing about GDP is you just start counting dollars. It's so easy、right. to calculate that. That I think that's one of the reasons it became the fallback. Misses the details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking of、uh, numbers and targets,、um, I read in this article by World Economic mm, Forum, mm. and it's actually an article that just came out in June this year. The title is "Why China Is Set to Significantly Overachieve Its 2030 Climate Goals."、Mm. Um, I mean, I'm just gonna pick a few. Sure.、Um, China's international climate pledge promises to peak CO2 emissions before. Uh, 2030, mm-hmm. and to reduce the country's carbon intensity, its emission per unit of GDP,、um, by over 65 percent in 2030 from 2005 levels. I don't know if our listeners will be like confused by all those numbers.、Um, and the report shows their analysis sh- suggests that both of these goals will be significantly overachieved,、yeah. and we expect China to achieve a 67 reduction. In carbon intensity below 2005 levels by 2030, and other research- researchers have projected earlier peaking too. So you probably came across too. Yeah, I've read this. Can I actually translate that? Sure. Yeah, because it sounds like a lot of numbers. What China has said is because it is still in it, developing its industry throughout the country. It's growing. It's getting bigger. The GDP is going up. As a matter of fact, it will probably continue to consume, increase the amount of CO2、mm. that it's、uh, in, that is entering the atmosphere up until 2030. They said this about a year or two ago,、mm. and then it's going to be reduced until the year 2060,、mm. at which time 
China will become carbon neutral. Neutral, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there will be no more uh, CO2 going into the atmosphere that they're not absorbing through some trees or something. Mm-hmm. I've also read this too. China is going to beat that by at least a couple years on 2030, which means it's going to and may actually transition again. One of the reasons for doing that is because everyone in the world knows, firstly, that China is the world's factory, that it, China produces and manufactures more goods than any other country in the world. Mm. China has now gotten better at making solar panels cheaper and more efficiently than any nation on Earth. Mm. China has gotten better at uh, lowering, uh, sorry, making solar panels cheaper and faster and more of them than any country on Earth. And because there are no tariffs selling it to itself, it's Mm. just installing them everywhere at breakneck speeds. (laughs) In addition to that, China's also gotten become the best at manufacturing uh, cheaper and better and more efficient offshore wind installations. Consequently, Mm -hmm. China has about three times the amount of offshore wind installations than it did in 2020. Mm. So in one year, 2021, it tripled the amount of offshore wind installations that it has. It has about six times Europe's offshore wind installations. And Mm. the rest of the world, it has like about 20 times as many offshore wind installations, which means America has virtually none, hmm. by the way, if you're if you're paying attention to everything I've said. <laughs> so in addition to solar and offshore and onshore wind, China is able to make each one of these cheaper and faster mm. and more efficiently than any other nation in the world. So they don't have tariffs selling to themselves, obviously, because they're manufacturing it. So they're just building it everywhere. Mm. Oh, we have a desert here. Boom, solar panels. <laughs> oh, we we have, a, you know, shallow waters off this part of the coast. Oh, offshore wind installations. So green energy. I, I remember talking about yeah. this. They even have solar panel fields, yeah, yeah. like on, on lakes. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, they do. And it, it prevents... Yeah, and it cools the lake down. It cools the lake, prevents evaporation, mm-hmm. and... And at the same time produces energy. And so even though China made this pledge by 2030, because China is the manufacturing base of the world, it is also able to make it cheaper, faster and better within its own borders and beat its own pledges. Speaking of which, this um, report by World Economic Forum also says renewables to overachieve. So China's renewables installation is booming, as Mm. Jason just mentioned, and its 2030 targets include non-fossil fuels reaching around 25% of primary energy consumption and increasing the installed wind and solar capacity to 1,200, is it gigawatts, GW? Yeah, that's correct. And then the assessment by World uh, Economic Forum is that it will overachieve these targets. And to get there, China has been implementing a slew of midterm domestic targets under its 14th five-year plan. I'm always talking about the 14th five-year plan. Um, (laughs) It's your favorite topic. No, that's from 2021 to 2025. Um, So this include uh, achieving 20% non-fossil share of energy consumption half of installed capacity from renewables and around 39% non-fossil power generation. Actually, renewables capacity surpassed 1,000 gigawatt in 2021. Wow. What is that, a terawatt? Um, I don't know. It's GW, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm just guessing. Um, but if it's 1,000 GWs, that's like a TW maybe? I don't know if they have similar system for that, but that's what mm, it says mm. in the report. And I'm just trying to guess. A quadrupling wow. of the 250 GW it had in 2010. 
Um, but mm. they have a lot more numbers. But in general, um, they are up to speed when it comes to energy, the transfer of energy or upgrade of energy. I want to talk about a different dynamic in this whole thing. So I think it is great that the United States is th- spending $375 billion mm-hmm. um, to upgrade its energy infrastructure and increase renewable energy production. Because, you know, if they're in fact, second in the world for per capita CO2 emissions, that is a really important thing to get under control. And it does look like they will Mm -hmm. start to manage it. But I also want to talk about something that is a little uh, frustrating for me. It's an American living in China. I love America. I love China. I want them to cooperate. I Mm. wish China and America were buddies. My my fantasy is to wake up one day (laughs) and they're like, oh, well, why are we even fighting? Let's be friends. And like, I know I I have that vision too. (laughs) Yeah, that's my dream. (laughs) And I, I feel like, oh, maybe that's too silly but i do have that vision i know i know actually one of the reasons i took this show originally was like that sounds i can i be part of that let me help (laughs) so uh anyways one of the things that frustrates me is that the united states looks at china's ability to produce all of these uh various technologies cheaply and they put tariffs up Mm. and they're like no we want to be the ones that make these things so we can buy them from ourselves so we Mm. can help our own economy Mm -hmm. and i understand that i understand the the desire to spur your own economy on so that you create a manufacturing base producing solar panels in the United States to help American people. But I also think that climate change isn't one of those things you want to mess around with. Or to wait, right? Yeah, we don't really want to wait until you can build your own factories (laughs) to make this yourself cheaper. You know, China already can. Let's be friends here and just import them and then just fix the problem faster and cheaper and better. I see Jason drumming your finger on the desk and you know checking your watch <laughs> so can we do it now <laughs> i wish i wish i wish the politicians would say okay you know let's just listen listen to jason our tariff that part of our tariff battle we could just close it and just let this one thing mm-hmm. slip through and you can deal with your other trade issues at another time and you could also start your own factory right while you're importing these yeah yeah right? at yeah. the same time yeah yeah <laughs> i mean I, I but maybe maybe it's more complicated than that we just don't know about i it. just yeah. wish that it was simpler and we could just, I mean, China has the industrial capacity to produce it cheaper and faster. Mm-hmm. And the United States, the, not just the United States, the world, we all share the same mm-hmm. earth. Right. You know, the United States should just say, okay, we're going to buy this from you. Great. Hey, problem solved. You know, it would be <laughs> a lot better for everybody, in my opinion. I know, especially for something so crucial. You know, I have these notes in front of me on one of those, uh, on one of these note pieces, it says, Louisiana losing land the size of football field every 45 minutes. What? So I was, I was watching I was watching this um, documentary that I mentioned earlier about climate so change. So the Mississippi's just swallowing the state? It's because the rising uh, water level. Wow. I, and I, when I was watching it, I was thinking how, you know, if you live far from places that have direct, um, have been directly impacted by climate change, you might not feel as sensitive, right, to, to all these things you see on the news. The flooding here or the, um, mm. you know, landslide there, wildfire over there. I mean, it's not near my home, but hey, you, that shouldn't be the mentality we adopt, right? Um, other crazy mm. things can happen and um, it will impact, maybe one day it will just impact your life and you don't want to wait till then. If we have a problem, we find solutions. And I mean, that's something I really appreciate mm-hmm. <laughs> about China is that, um, you don't hear people just debating or trying to cover things up. You know, when you have a problem, we have a problem. Let's deal with it, right? Let's work together. Let's make a plan. Mm-hmm. 
and go along with it step by step. Instead of just all this talking. Well, there are definitely a lot of positive things we can say about central planning that have helped China um, recently mm -hmm. develop really efficiently in a lot of different ways. And I, I would love to talk. I do want to ask a question. Mm -hmm. When you say football fields of landers being swallowed up, right. are there people living here or is this just like... I think so. I mean, in, while they were saying this, they were showing a video of um, basically land flooded by water. Um, with with the house, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it was a brief, a few wow. seconds, but I it really wrapped my attention. So I wrote this down. I jotted it down in a note. Wow. But as I mentioned, this um this documentary, I think the English name is somewhere something like the truth behind climate change. Um, and I think mm -hmm. it would, you know, you and I, everybody should should watch it. We have a better idea of what's mm. happening. The truth behind climate change. The reason I think that's a little amusing slightly is because Al Gore's was uh, an inconvenient truth. So it seems like global warming people have really gotten hooked on this truth word, which is not a bad thing or anything. But it's just like, oh. you know, you just see this echo in semantics again, mm. you know, the the name, um, the original name. It's a it's a it's made in UK. This documentary. Uh, uh, the uh, name uh. is Climate Change Dash the Facts. Ah, uh, uh, so facts and truth. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess. Yeah, sure. sorry for my poor translation, but if you're interested, yeah. No, no, it wasn't a poor translation. I was just noting that you know. And it came out in 2019, so it's been a few years. But I mean, a lot of things have happened. Very relevant. In between. Very relevant. Yeah. Still yeah. very relevant. I think a lot of the stuff they were talking about in the 1980s in terms of like what was going on then and the concerns about the ice shelf starting. Mm. I mean, we, we were still learning about there was an ice shelf and that it was starting to melt a little bit. And people were like, oh, this might be a trend. And now we're at this point in 2022 where they're like, mm -hmm. yeah, this ice, ice shelf thing is half gone. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So that was true. I think in one of the articles that you sent me, um, I highlighted this paragraph. It says... In 1988, on a steamy summer day, top NASA climate scientist Jim Hansen brought to public attention for the first time the decades-old concept of global warming when he told Congress carbon dioxide was heating up the Earth. And that year became the hottest on record. Now, there have been so many hot years, it ranks 28th hottest. And Hansen has said he wishes his warning didn't come true about climate change. Someone else, Bill McGibbon, a longtime climate activist said that it's a mark of shame that it took this long for our political system to react hmm. and uh, adding that it leaves the fossil fuel industry with too much power. Hmm. It's not a new idea, even though we feel like we've just been hearing about it in the past few years, but it's been around. Global warming, this term has been around for a long time. You know, it's interesting, just a factoid, it doesn't help us solve global warming, is that scientists originally learned Darn it. learned about the idea <laughs> of planetary warming from Venus because they were like, oh, there's a lot of uh, greenhouse gases in the atmosphere of Venus. Oh. And they speculated that lo a long time ago, perhaps millions of years ago, hmm. Venus had a much cooler atmosphere and that possibly the release of greenhouse emissions cascaded, hmm. raising the temperature of Venus hundreds of degrees. Oh, gosh. And that, that might be the reason that it is, you know, so ridiculous ridiculously hot hot and the atmosphere's atmosphere is so incredibly thick today oh my god and they We're thought well i wonder if this could happen on earth and scientists began looking into the possibility and recognizing that actually it in fact may have been happening oh dear this is not a happy end note <laughs> <laughs> for our show i mean like we're talking about increase of like one degree and um you're saying like hundreds of degrees 
But, you know, if you if people don't think one degree Celsius matters a lot, I mean, it might it might not matter a lot when you go from, let's say, 25 degrees Celsius to 26. But it will matter a lot to us, right, humans, if it's going from like 40 to 41 and then 42 to 43 and then to 44, 45. And then, you know what? We'll be cooked. Yeah. Your discussion earlier about ice reflecting light and we have this ice sheet that is melting on both poles, basically. Mm. Well, if those ice sheets are melting, then they are melting. they're not going to reflect. As, yes, mm. they're not going to be reflecting as much light, which is going to allow more heat, which is going to accelerate the process of global climate change and global warming. Ron, Jason, <laughs> where to? But where to? There's the no question. other place to go. Well, you know, you're not running back to Wuhan <laughs> because it's going to be hotter. Well, I'm going to get on one of those new Elon Musk rockets and go to Mars. Really? Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, I, no yeah, not. me no. neither. Even if I have a free ticket. Anyhow, yeah. so, but you know what? I don't want to end on this sad note. Do you have a positive note? This, the purpose, I don't, <laughs> but the purpose well, of us talking about it is so that we become more aware of it. And there are a lot that we can do, right? I was telling my daughter just today that, you know, there are reasons why we need to turn off uh, the mm. lights. I mean, it, it's not like we're making huge sacrifices right away, right? So that we can, you know, slow down the approach of doomsday we're asking ourselves telling ourselves that let's not waste as much yeah right let's not waste as if we can't do anything else then we can't be scientists at least we can do the small things in our daily lives don't waste as much in everything you mentioned positivity so i want to try okay give it a go i got two stabs <laughs> at it so firstly we have discussed on this show before that china is planting billions of trees and mm. both reforesting and aforesting creating forests where they were not beef before so actually that's my allergy. A lot of those are, well, I'm sorry for your allergy, but a lot of that is cap, recapturing some of the carbon that has entered the atmosphere. Now, if we mm. could globally plant like, you know, a trillion trees, I know, sounds like a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> then we could actually take some small measure of the carbon that we put into the atmosphere mm. back into the form of biomaterial, because trees can hold material for hundreds, if not thousands of years in in their bodies. Trees are nice. Yeah. So I think there even there is even a book that's titled Trees Are Nice <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. But, you know, next time we, we record or sometime in the future, we'll both be recording from our tree houses. <laughs> How about that? There's so many trees around that will live in tree houses. I do want to say, you know, good job to the United States in agreeing to spend this $375 billion. And I hope that mm. they can do it quickly and uh, add to renewable energy capacity so that we can emit less CO2 into the atmosphere, especially per capita over yes. there. And that should help. And China is working really hard on it. And the EU is working really hard on it. Hopefully all parties can come come together and mutually build a better yes. world for all of us to live in. So go America, go China. Let's do the all right. the good things, the right things so all of us can have a better future. Please join us next time on The Bridge where we connect East and West. Thank you for your time, baby. Well, thank you, Jason, for all the numbers <laughs> that you've collected and shared. <laughs> thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.